Greetings, fellow time traveler. You have teleported to Renegade Files, your crucial connection for exploring paranormal events, unsolved mysteries, and conspiracy culture. I am your intrepid host, Lex Gordon, coming through your listening device direct from the camouflaged broadcasting compound at the Jungle Villa Outpost, deep in the uncharted tropics. This is Renegade Files episode 28, Close Encounters in Brazil. In the wee morning hours on 20 January 1996, NORAD sent a message to their Brazilian radar defense counterpart, warning them of an incoming unidentified aircraft on track to enter their airspace. In minutes, multiple reports of UFOs over central Brazil began to flood phone lines at police stations, military installations, and airports. Some of these objects were captured on video and witnesses in the town of Virginia saw one of the objects crash. These events alone are more than enough to put the Virginia incident at the top of any 20th century UFO experience. But this was only the beginning. The following day, many locals saw firsthand several creatures that apparently survived the crash. Local emergency response officials and the Brazilian military were immediately involved. Something was captured, and the resulting official explanations for these events have frustrated the Virginia citizens for decades. So gear up for an expedition to Brazil, and join me, your field guide, Lex Gordon, as I lead a Renegade Files recon mission to investigate the case of Close Encounters in Brazil. Close Encounters in Brazil. Close Encounters in Brazil. If you like the Renegade Files episodes, you'll love the bonus episodes, dark intel files, covert photos, behind-the-scenes posts, and weird internet finds gathered just for you on our Patreon page. Just tap the Patreon link in our show notes and visit the page for free to see what extra content awaits you on a secure platform where you can get more deep-dive content, help support the show for pennies a day, and help Renegade Files stay ad-free. I'll see you in there. Thank you. Part 1. An Official Heads Up The Virginia-Brazil UFO and alien encounter incident has been called Brazil's Roswell because of parallels between these cases, including a UFO crash, witnesses to the crash site, rumors of aliens recovered, and military involvement in what sounds like a cover-up. By comparison, the Roswell events have been meticulously analyzed, outlined, and arranged into a logical timeline by many UFO researchers over the years. 
That's a story we'll explore on Renegade Files in the future, but not in depth today. However, contrastingly, the Virginia encounter events are like the men of Westeros before the return of the king. Scattered, divided, leaderless, but no less compelling. There is a narrative here. It runs in a logical progression to weave one of the most outstanding close encounter occurrences ever recorded in the history of UFO and alien species research. But unlike Roswell, very few researchers have organized the multitude of summary articles, C-grade internet documentaries, and well-produced, albeit brief, glances at this case to provide a single, cohesive look into the Virginia encounter. But that's why we have Renegade Files. Come with me and we'll put this all in order and I think you'll be as amazed by this incident as I am. This is an incredible story. It's creepy. It's unique. And it's one of the most exciting alien encounters of our modern era. Something very interesting took place in the industrial town of Virginia, and when we piece it all together, it paints a series of cooperating testimonies that make far more sense than the damage control narrative. We begin with an official heads-up sent to the Brazilian authorities from a most sober source. According to researchers John Carpenter and Ricardo Correa, and based on testimony they gathered from a Brazilian Air Force officer and an Air Defense Radar Facility officer, around midnight on the 20th of January 1996, a section of the North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, sent a communique to their Brazilian counterpart, the Brazilian Integrated Center of Air Defense and Air Traffic Control, warning them that unidentified objects were on track to enter their airspace over the southern part of Minas Gerais. This information comes to us in part from researcher John Carpenter, and I only mention him again to clarify that we are not talking about the famous horror movie director of the same name. This John Carpenter has a BA in psychology from DePaul University, a master's in social work from Washington University, and he is a psychiatric therapist in Missouri where he has counseled patients for 36 years. In addition to his standard practice, he has volunteered his service in over 120 cases of people dealing with UFO encounters and possible abductions. He presented six papers at the MIT Abduction Study Conference in 1992. John Carpenter was the MUFON Director of Abduction Research for nine years from 1991 to 2000, and he has also been deeply involved in investigating religious paranormal phenomena since 2010. There might be an episode in there somewhere. So John Carpenter, along with Ricardo Correa, tracked down and interviewed the Brazilian Air Force and radar facility officers who received the warning of an unidentified aircraft or aircrafts from NORAD at midnight on January 20th, 1996. About two hours later, O200, Augusta, and Eurico Rodriguez, who were farm workers in the area, were awakened by the sounds of their cows and sheep crying out and making a commotion. 
The couple went outside to find the unsettled livestock crying out and trampling within their pens and a silent craft hanging motionless in the sky above their fields. They watched in confusion as they whispered to each other all the things they knew it was not. Not a plane. Not a helicopter. Not a balloon or a meteor. The object then began to move. Their quoted description is as follows. It was a submarine-shaped minibus that was trembling like a curtain in the wind and emitting smoke or fog as it descended to below five meters above the ground. Interestingly, this report reminds us of a similar situation from the Rendlesham Forest UFO encounter where military personnel said livestock on a nearby farm made a panic-sounding commotion when a UFO was nearby. Be sure to check out Renegade Files episode 21, The Rendlesham Forest UFO Incident, for a detailed investigation into that case, complete with thrilling real-time audio recorded by Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt as he and his team chased a UFO that was flying around the airbase. That's Renegade Files episode 21, The Rendlesham Forest UFO Incident, one of my personal favorites. So the farm where the Rodriguez's saw the UFO in Brazil and heard their livestock freaking out about it is six miles northwest of the town of Virginia. The couple says they watched the object descend suddenly and they believe it crashed. At the same time that night, Aurelina and Eurico de Fritis, also farmers in the area, saw a UFO directly above their cattle. The object hovered motionless and silently for 40 minutes, and throughout this time, the cows were continuously agitated. The craft then moved away out of sight, and it's possible that it went from there to crash beyond the Rodriguez farm. What follows is the timeline of events that makes up this amazing series of encounters, so stay tuned because this gets fun. The important thing to note here is that this entire incident was kicked off with an official report from NORAD to the Brazilians warning them that some craft or crafts of unknown origin, which NORAD was tracking, was heading their way. Then we have the report from two sets of farmers, both of whom witnessed a UFO at the same location NORAD had indicated. The UFO caused the livestock at both farms to freak out, which is consistent with other documented UFO sightings near farms. Part 2. Aliens Encountered So up to this point, we have a clear-cut UFO incident that checks off two of the boxes on our old friend J. Allen Hynek's UFO classification scale. The first is radar visual. Hynek's scale radar visual reports consist of unidentified flying objects seen visually and confirmed by radar. The second is a close encounter of the second kind. These are UFO events in which a physical effect is alleged, including, but not limited to, animals reacting. So first, we have a radar visual encounter when NORAD reports a UFO to the Brazilians, then the farmers see it. Then we have a close encounter of the second kind when farm animals on two different farms react while four witnesses see UFOs above them. 
many well-known UFO events consist of far less. Now, in addition to the original three levels of close encounters developed by Hynek, CE1, CE2, and CE3, we have also gone over on previous shows the additions of CE4, that is, close encounters of the fourth kind, which is when humans are abducted, and CE5, which is when a UFO event involves direct communication between aliens and humans. But this case dives beyond the Hynek Close Encounters scale and its first layer of additions into what is known as the Bletcher subtypes. That's B-L-O-E-C-H-E-R, named after the researcher who created them. Now this gets deep, but it's really cool, so here we go. Bletcher subtypes are addendums to Close Encounter experience levels, and they are demarcated with letters A through F. The Bletcher subtypes are A. Aboard, or when an entity is observed only inside a UFO. B. Or both, when an entity is observed both inside and outside of a UFO. C. Or close, when an entity is observed nearby a UFO but not going into or out of the craft. The Aerial School Alien Encounter in Renegade Files episode number 8 is an example of this. Check that out. Then we have D, Direct. When an extraterrestrial entity is observed, but no UFOs are seen by the observer, but UFO activity has been reported in the area at the time. So that's Bletcher subtype D, Direct. Then we have Bletcher subtype E, or Excluded, when an entity is observed but no UFOs are seen and no UFOs have been reported in the area. And finally we have F or frequency, where no entity or UFOs are observed but the subject experiences some sort of intelligent communication. A fictional example of this would be the outstanding 1985 film Explorers where Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix play kids who telepathically receive blueprints for a spaceship in their dreams and then build it. That movie, Explorers, is one of the best kid adventure films ever made. Watch it if you haven't and watch it again if you have. It is a classic. I can think of one other example of Bletcher subtype F or frequency where no entity or UFO is observed but the subject experiences some sort of intelligent communications. I'd say crop circles, potentially. And that's a huge subject. We will get to it in its own episode. Okay, so those are the Bletcher subtypes. So if you saw a UFO from less than 500 feet away and you could see an alien through a window on the craft, you would have just had a CE1-A, or Close Encounter of the First Kind, Bletcher Subtype A. In the case of the Virginia, Brazil incident, we first have a radar visual UFO event at midnight, then two instances of a Close Encounter of the Second Kind, around 2 a.m. at the farms. Witnesses on one of the farms saw the object or one of the objects crash. At this time, we have another witness, a lawyer who lived 20 minutes outside of town at the edge of the forested hills that surround Virginia. She says that at about 2 a.m., the same time the farmers saw the object descend and possibly crash, 
that she was awakened by what sounded like a huge explosion. She looked from her window to see a large fire at the base of a nearby hillside. The attorney immediately called the fire department but got no answer, which struck her as strange. She then heard sirens and stepped outside to watch the fire trucks pass by on the road in front of her house, heading toward the blaze. Minutes later, fewer than five minutes after waking to the crash, she saw several military vehicles pass as well. Then she heard a helicopter flying overhead. All of this made her think that perhaps a military plane had crashed. She said that then the police and fire departments sealed the area off to traffic. This brings us to the most famous of the Virginia sightings. The following afternoon, three young women ranging in age from 14 to 22, sisters Lillian and Valkyria Fatima Silva, and their friend Katia Andrade Xavier, were heading home at about 3.30 p.m. I think the older girl was walking home from work and accompanying the two younger girls home from a residence where they were housekeepers. It was a rainy day and the three girls took a shortcut across a vacant, overgrown piece of property known as the Wasteland on the outskirts of town. Against part of an old concrete wall and backed into the corner formed by the wall and a shrub up against it, the girls saw a cowering creature that they all described as being biped, about five feet tall, with brown oily skin, a large head, frail body and limbs, V-shaped feet, large almond-shaped glowing red eyes, wearing no clothing, and having three pronounced front-to-back ridges on the top of its head. It was crouched with its hands down and together between its legs and appeared to be feeble, frightened, and defenseless. They said the creature wavered and seemed to be ill or injured and very weak, and they were overcome with the powerful smell of ammonia. The younger girls were so alarmed that they fled and ran home. Being young, devout Catholic schoolgirls, the two thought that they had just seen the devil and in a breathless, panicked state, they told their mother as much. The third, older girl, while making her way home behind the two running girls, passed a group of construction workers who had just watched the younger girls fleeing past them. The older girl heard one of the workers say to his companions, quote, They must have seen that same thing we saw. Concerned, the younger girl's mother then visited the site, saw no creature, but she did smell the strong ammonia smell, and she saw a dog sniffing the spot where the girl said they had seen this being. All three of these girls stick exactly to this same story to this day. These girls had heard nothing about UFOs in the area and what they described was unique in the world of aliens and UFO visitors up to that point. It's therefore unlikely that the girls were influenced by popular alien culture of the time. But then, similar reports started to surface. 
Witnesses claimed to have seen military officials working with the fire department personnel to capture and remove injured creatures from the flaming hillside crash site. One of the soldiers who was involved with this procedure was Marco Sherezi. His sister says Marco accompanied the creature from where it was captured to Humanista's hospital where the creature was examined and her brother immediately fell ill. Marco Sherezi subsequently died from toxic poisoning caused by an unknown substance. The sister tried unsuccessfully to have a second autopsy performed but the hospital refused and the military ordered the body buried immediately. A member of the fire brigade who was working the crash site that night also suddenly died from some unknown toxic poisoning. Days later, a woman visiting the zoo saw what she described as an ugly creature with glowing red eyes and oily brown skin in a wooded area along a path. She said it wasn't any zoo animal she knew of and it was positively not human. She said it was, quote, a very ugly thing. In the days just prior to the woman's sighting, several zoo animals had unexpectedly died from what was determined to be, once again, a mysterious toxic poisoning. The director of the zoo said they lost five animals and there was no scientific explanation for their deaths other than the animals had died from some unknown toxicity. The zoo director also said that in her seven years at the zoo, she had seen nothing like it. We also have the story of a college student who saw one of the creatures in the alleyway below his apartment window at the edge of town. College student Hildo Lucio Galdino, 20, while living in the Jardim Andre section of Virginia, told UFO investigators Franco Rodriguez and Vittorio Pacini that he saw what he immediately thought was an alien shortly after 8 a.m. on the morning following the crash, the same day the three girls saw a creature in the wasteland field. Galdino opened his bathroom window, looked out, and saw, quote, a creature with oily dark brown skin crouched in the alleyway. It had very small hands with three extremely long fingers, kind of like a starfish. Hildo says he instinctively cried out when he saw the creature, which startled it and caused it to run away. He said this creature had no hair and no clothing and was four or so feet tall. So that was at 8 a.m. By 10 a.m., several calls had come in to the local wild animal control, who it seems works in conjunction with the fire department. Maybe the fire department has the ladders. I don't know. But the locals were calling whomever they would call about dangerous wild animals, so the fire department of Virginia was sent out at 9 a.m. And this is according to an interview with the fire station sergeant at the time to capture a strange animal in the northern city park of Jardim Andere, this is the same area where the college student had just seen what he described as an alien in the alley below his window. Four firemen arrived on the scene to find military personnel already there, and when the firefighter animal control guys saw the creature, they called back to Major Maciel, who was the officer who had sent them to capture whatever this animal was, 
and the men told the major that he should come to the scene as well because the situation was more complicated than initially thought. The military men then proceeded to capture the creature in a net as some onlookers witnessed and they said the creature didn't fight back but made a buzzing sound like a swarm of bees. Witnesses watched the soldiers and the firefighters place the creature into a wooden box which was then loaded onto a military truck and driven away. Several witnesses to this capture say that some of the servicemen had video cameras and were filming this event. One person, the self-described cousin of a son of a soldier from the ESA, told researcher Vittorio Pacini that he had access to a video filmed at ESA showing the creature. He and his cousin had tried to sell the film to BTS, the Brazilian television system, for $68,000, but the deal fell through and the boy now says he no longer has access to the film. The 16-year-old daughter of a military policeman also told investigator Vittorio that she had watched, quote, a horrible film. The video the girl was referring to was a video her father had kept of the alien being captured. At some point, the father realized that he now was in danger over this, so he took his family and vanished. Vittorio says he has evidence that the film was left behind and hidden and that it is still somewhere in Virginia to this day. A.J. Gervard, the editor of OVNI UFO magazine, took first-hand reports from fire brigade and military servicemen who were directly involved in capturing, transporting, and guarding the recovered crash site alien creatures. A recorded telephone interview conducted with the Brazilian soldier who stood guard in the hospital room while doctors examined one of the creatures is amazing. In it, this man says, quote, I couldn't believe my eyes. The guys had brought in a real alien creature on a stretcher. It was just unbelievable, really. I was part of the team who was told to guard it while the doctors examined it. Our commander was really afraid of us catching some disease from this thing. It smelled terrible. Really bad. The thing itself was about a meter tall with very oily brown leathery skin and these red eyes. The eyes were incredible. It had weird claw-like hands. I mean, there was no way this thing was human. This was definitely something alien. Definitely. From what I could tell, the medical staff was as nervous and shocked as I was. In the end, the doctors confirmed that the creature had died, and they stated the time of death. Honestly, this whole experience was the craziest thing I ever saw. I know it sounds mad, but I was there. It happened. I saw this creature with my own eyes. End quote. Another witness is a retired Brazilian army officer who is now a lawyer. That January 20th morning, he saw two Brazilian F-5 Tiger fighter jets fly overhead at low altitude above his Jardim Andere home. He then watched Brazilian army trucks carrying seven soldiers in camo stop at the edge of the woods and the soldiers all entered the forest. 
at the same time, a friend to this witness who was positioned on the far side of the woods heard three shots fired, then watched the soldiers bring two apparently filled body bags out with them. Finally, we have the story told by the mother of two of the three girls who saw the wasteland alien. She told reporters that she was visited at her home by four men driving a navy blue 1994 Lincoln Continental, all dressed in white suits and offering her $20,000 if her daughters would go on TV and say that they made the whole story up. The mother and her daughters refused and the men said they would be back but they never returned. I guess in Brazil they have men in white instead of men in black. Part 3. The Official Story Brazilian television news widely reported that the military had been involved with the UFO crash and perhaps had captured alien beings. They confirmed the stories with researchers who had gathered testimonies and the public was demanding answers. The military base involved in working and securing the crash site and allegedly transporting and covering up the recovered alien craft and creatures is an officer training academy named ESA. And I think I mentioned ESA earlier, so that's what that is. When asked about the UFO crash and recovering aliens, the military base officially flatly denies it. The ESA base made a report concerning the testimonies of the officers who claimed to have guarded and witnessed the medical personnel at the hospital performing tests on an alien creature. That official military response concludes that these officers simply misidentified a married dwarf couple who were at the hospital having a baby. The ESA base report also addresses the wasteland alien, which is the creature the three young girls saw. This section of the report asserts that what those girls saw that day was nothing more than a local homeless man who had become muddy due to the rain. My Summary This is a case where the official story is ridiculous. No one would mistake a muddy homeless man or a married dwarf couple with an alien. I was speaking with someone the other day about situations like this where the official stories are so weak and so preposterous and the conclusion we came to was that the reason is it doesn't matter how silly the official explanation is. They just need something to repeat and something for the skeptics to latch on to. That's all it takes. It's just an excuse to put out there. It doesn't have to be a good one. There is also a secondary psychological component at work in cases like these. When we, as humans, experience something truly paranormal, alien, or well beyond the material explanations of our paradigms, we almost instinctively try to push those experiences into recognizable boxes. We do so to keep society in general agreement about who we are and what's going on in our world. A main function of our governing organizations, those upon whom we bestow authority, is to maintain those general agreements. 
and ridiculous. In fact, nearly impossible official stories like these are classic red flag indicators of a cover-up. The Brazilian military claims the young girls misidentified a muddy homeless man as a short, oily brown-skinned alien with V-shaped feet, oversized glowing red eyes, a large head and small frail body. But that homeless man is a well-known local character and those girls would never mistake him for an alien. And if all they saw was a muddy homeless man, why would Brazilian intelligence offer them $20,000 to go on TV and say they made the whole story up? And the woman who saw this same brown-skinned, red-eyed, ugly creature at the zoo, did she also see this same homeless man and was he also covered in mud on that day? And the college student who saw it in the alley? Did he also mistake a muddy homeless man for this brown-skinned, red-eyed alien? And how is it that the military man who guarded the creature at the hospital, the man who the military says saw a dwarf couple, how is it that he mistook a dwarf couple having a baby for this exact same short, oily, brown-skinned alien with V-shaped feet, oversized glowing red eyes, a large head, and a small, frail body? And even if he did, as the military claimed, why then was he called in to be an armed guard for a dwarf couple having a baby at the hospital? And did the dwarf mother die because the medical team the soldier was guarding pronounced that patient dead? That's how you know it's a cover story, because it's a thin, one-dimensional answer with no depth and no backstory to support it. As soon as you dig even a little bit into it, it falls apart. It's the conclusion of the official report, and therefore, that's the end of it. Any further inquiry gets you pointed back to that report. Asked and answered. And perhaps the most interesting thing about this case is the combination of extreme uniqueness among these creatures compared to pop culture aliens and the exact same descriptions of this unique being across all of the witnesses. The three girls, the college student, the lady at the zoo, and the hospital military guards. And remember the lawyer who heard the crash and called the fire department when she saw flames at the crash site? The fire brigade weren't answering the phone as she called, but in seconds they were on the scene, accompanied by Brazilian military soldiers, and they blocked traffic to the area right away. Then the next day, people start seeing injured and frail aliens walking around town. First-hand reports from personnel of both that military unit and the fire brigade indicate that men were dispatched specifically to capture the escaped creatures and some of those who did later died from unknown poisoning, as did animals in the zoo coinciding with the sighting of the creature there. So what we have is a series of seemingly scattered events that only paint a cohesive UFO and alien encounter narrative when strung together with a good deal of mental leaps and assumptions, but that's what we have to go on based on the evidence, and in the end, the evidence is compelling. But, as compelling as it is, it's still mostly testimony. 
perhaps we have physical evidence with the people and zoo animals dying, but being that the causes are unknown, that's inconclusive at best. There is the rumored videotape that the young man and his ESA insider cousin tried to sell to the media, but then they couldn't get their hands on it when the money didn't come through. And the other rumored video that caused the father to flee and allegedly stash the film somewhere in Virginia. Finding either of those videos would be a serious score for any UFO researcher. If you speak Portuguese and want to dip down to Brazil for a weekend, I'd be happy to go with you down there and look for them. But in this era of Photoshop and CGI, what would those videos prove if we did find them? This happened a while ago, 1996, 26 years ago at this point. Finding any new evidence at this point is unlikely, but the stories still move us. Watch and listen to the girls in interviews over the years, and you can tell they're sincere. You can hear some of them in the Dark Intel files on Patreon. Those girls haven't really gained anything from all of this. The researchers in Brazil who took first-hand testimonies are convinced. And this isn't some quirky UFO community-only incident in Virginia. The town is filled with memories of the UFO crash and alien encounters. Bus stop shelters are shaped like flying saucers. At the garage wall where the girls saw the wasteland alien, there is a clear plexiglass installation that shows an artist's rendition of the creature, so you can look through it and see it crouched by the wall there. There is a life-size statue of the crazy insectoid alien at one of the parks nearby. It's said that if you talk to the locals, that to this day, everyone there knows someone who saw the aliens or who saw the UFO crash or who watched the military crate up the creatures and haul them away. The summary of events in the end is that NORAD warned its Brazilian counterpart of unidentified objects entering their airspace. Then, people saw UFOs over the farmlands, and the farm animals reacted. People saw something crash. Firefighters were sent to capture some wild animal, and when they arrived, they saw it was a humanoid of unknown origin. Before the fire brigade commander could arrive, the Brazilian military captured one or two of these creatures. The next day, the three girls saw the wasteland alien. Then the college student saw something in the alley under his window, and it had the same description. Then the lady at the zoo saw the same thing, and soldiers were given orders to guard some creature while doctors worked on it or tested it, and that creature died. All of these people, fully unrelated and unbeknownst to each other, unfailingly describe the same beings. Then the official story tells us that they collectively misidentified a homeless man and a pregnant short woman for this creature. Then men in white offered three of the witnesses 20 grand to go on TV and say they made the story up. This has come to be one of my favorite UFO alien cases for its sheer originality and complexity. 
to me, the official explanations add even more credibility to this case as being a genuine UFO and alien encounter for the simple reason that the official explanations are so baseless and make no sense whatsoever. It seems like something from beyond this world accidentally crashed and its occupants mistakenly visited Virginia, Brazil in 1996. Stanton Friedman speculated, based on testimonies he gathered, that these visitors were possibly a lower intelligence worker race charged with some transport or reconnaissance mission that went wrong, and once they found themselves outside of their ship and their element, they quickly degraded and perished, and in those final few hours were seen by those who have described their multiple likenesses with mirror-like symmetry. This is a story that is filled with detail, but that defies any definitive proof. I think in the final analysis, the best thing to do is to categorize this event using the tools for research that we do have. In the case of the Virginia, Brazil incident, we have a radar visual UFO event at midnight, then two close encounters of the second kind around 2 a.m. at two different farms. Then the following day we have several close encounters of the third kind, Bletcher subtype D, direct, where aliens are seen without accompanying UFOs but in an area where UFOs were recently reported. As far as a modern UFO alien event, it doesn't get much better than that. you for helping me investigate Close Encounters in Brazil. And thank you very much if you are one of our Renegade Files agents on Patreon. You help crowdfund the show so we can keep Renegade Files ad-free. Cheers. If you enjoy the content on Renegade Files, then for a very small amount, less than you would tip one server for a single dinner out, you can get access to bonus episodes, all of the Dark Intel Files research, photos, videos gathered on the subject of every episode, behind-the-scenes content of my investigations in the field, and more. Follow the link in the show notes to patreon.com slash renegadefiles, look around for free, and I'll see you in there. Thank you. Until our next adventure, I'm your host, Lex Gordon. Stay wild, starship child.